what a Savior, amen. What thank ye of Christ. Good to see each one of you tonight. Praise the Lord for you. Thank you for coming. All the dear saints of God that we know down through the years from many different churches are here tonight. We thank you all. Praise God for you. And appreciate your prayers and your support. Appreciate this church for y'all's faithfulness, your friendship, your fellowship, and all you that work and pray for us and the mission work that God has us in around the world. The work is continuing, um, going on. I personally uh, haven't gone uh, in the last two years because of the COVID, but the work is still progressing because all these years, the places we've gone, we've discipled the saints of God and taught them, you are the local church here. You're responsible before God to reach your people with the gospel. And uh, so since we haven't gone, they've done that. Amen. And um, I was able to bring Brother Martin to see Brother Mark over to prison while Brother Mark was here. Amen. Brother Mark had been to Africa to our orphanage there and seen it and, and uh, the work. And uh, But these last two years, they've planted four churches without us being there, amen, and baptized almost a thousand people, and um, we're going, and I may be going back there in the next couple of weeks, I don't know, uh, needing to, we're, we're going to start a, a uh, pastor's training, and maybe work it in, developing, may become like a seminary, so we, uh, but I am planning to go to December to Romania, and scheduled uh, next summer to Africa. and uh, But in either of the other countries we go to, they are ministering the gospel and souls are being saved. And so, as the brother showed us back there, some of these countries we're working in are underground countries and, and uh, whether it's illegal to have a Bible. I mean, so much we take for granted right here in America, folks, that we don't realize. Um, just our liberties and freedoms, amen. But I think the church is starting to wake up that uh, even they're being threatened, amen. What we've experienced and taken for granted so long in this country is is being threatened. And so we have gotten that it's time for the redeemed of the Lord to say so and to redeem the day because the times are evil. And so praise the Lord, we've got to work once day and night's coming, no man can work. Praise the Lord. So thank you for the opportunity. My wife says hello. Many of you have asked about my wife, and uh, she sends her regards, and uh, she's uh, taken home, staying close to our daughter who has given birth to twins, amen, and so she's helping uh, with that, got their hands full, amen, amen, and uh, so we praise God for each one of you and uh, for being here tonight. If you have your Bibles, we're going to thank you again for the wonderful meal we had. The supper and the fellowship was good. Appreciate that. Yes, sir, brother. Now, you had a, a child that got stepped on today, isn't that right? Yeah. Um, one of my granddaughters, um, we was I had to take a horse to the vet this morning, and we was going. She wanted to go, and and um, was getting ready to load the horse up. She's four, right at four, and... Something spooked the horse, and the horse run backwards, run over the baby, and stepped on its face, and stepped on its arm. So we thought it broke her arm, and uh, 
she had some blood, and I didn't know if it broke her jaw or what, and, and you know, just frightened us. So we gathered the baby up and took her to the hospital. And but praise the Lord, wasn't nothing broken. She just kind of swole up now, Amen. And and as soon as we got back home, and uh, she said, "Well, go get the horse. We got to take the horse to the." I said, "We ain't worried about that horse, Amen." <laughs> That can wait. That horse can die. Amen. <laughs> so, amen. But praise God. God is good. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to turn uh, back to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. And um, we'll pick up there again tonight. And we're looking at forgiveness. Forgiveness. And... Um, so many Christians are rendered useless in the kingdom work of God because we do not understand forgiveness. And what we looked at last night was there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walks not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Amen. The forgiveness of God really goes beyond our mental capacity to understand. He forgives with no strings attached. Forgiveness. And so, I want us to continue to look tonight at forgiveness and how it relates to others. Now, when we know who we are and what we are as sinners, we praise God for His forgiveness to us. But we are also commanded to forgive others. As Christ has forgiven us, so just as well as the work of God is hindered in the kingdom of God in us and through us because we will not forgive, amen? I mean, we, we fully don't understand God's forgiveness of us, so therefore we are hindered. But brethren, are we hindering the work of God by our unforgiveness toward others? So the subject is still forgiveness. We'll pick up again in verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. If you have your place, let's stand the reverence of the reading of God's Word. If you're not able to stand, it's okay. You don't have to. Now we preached on this last night for you that are with us tonight. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? First John 1 John 1.9 said, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor infemin, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And all of this is just fruits of the flesh from the old depraved nature of man. And such were some of you, that's past tense, such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Notice that, we'll come back to that probably tomorrow night. 
and by the Spirit of our God. Let's pray, Father, tonight. Lord, we thank You that You were mindful of us when we were not mindful of You. Thank You for loving us when we were unloved and ungodly. Thank You for coming to us and calling us and cleansing us and, Lord, changing us, converting us, and making us new creatures. By the power of Your Spirit, O Lord, Tonight we're asking you by the Spirit of God, take the Word of God and reveal unto us yourself, your holiness. And Lord, that we might see ourselves in your presence. And Lord, that you may grant us space to repent. Don't leave us to ourselves. We're needy creatures here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, the Bible says, as we have been washed, we have been sanctified, we have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. And then it says in 1 Thessalonians in 2 and 12, that we should walk worthy of God who hath called us to His kingdom and glory. God has called us unto Himself. And we saw last night that God, He, He come to us when we were unlovely and ungodly. It was God that initiates the whole process. When, when Adam was running from God and hiding from God and wanting nothing to do with God, it was God that came to man. It was God that came to him. And it was God, amen, that made the coats of skins and clothed them. And that word clothed is atonement. Reconciliation. God made a way for man that was at enmity against Him and because of the evil that was in his heart and his mind toward God, opposed to God. It was God that initiated the process to reconcile man back unto Himself. Doing for man what man cannot do for himself. And so therefore, we are, we are regenerated, amen, by the Spirit of God. And the Bible tells us over here uh, in Titus, amen, in 3 and 5, by, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Why? None righteous, no, not one. But according to His mercy, He saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost of God. Therefore, salvation is a spiritual work of God that God works by His Spirit. Amen. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And it's God, by the Spirit of God, that quickens our dead conscience. Amen. That uh, there is a God. And this God is working in us and through us, drawing us unto Himself to that we might know fully who He is. And, and so therefore, now we're to walk worthy because we've been washed, sanctified, justified. We need to walk worthy, amen, to God that has called us unto His kingdom and His glory. So how do we do that? The Bible says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Now we're children of God. The Holy Ghost of God lives in us, abides in us, and dwells in us. And so therefore, we must surrender to the Spirit as we walk through this present evil world. Yield to the Spirit of God. And will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, listen to Ephesians 4 and verse 30. And he says this, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So he's telling us, don't grieve the Spirit of God that's in you, that's leading you. Because when He reconciled us unto Himself, it was for the purpose to present us to Himself holy, unblameable, unreprovable in His sight for eternity. So therefore, grieve not the Spirit of God who is in you. So therefore, it's letting us know the Spirit of God can be grieved. So what is it that grieves the Spirit of God in whom were you are sealed into the day of redemption? Verse 31. <coughs> this is it. <clears throat> Let all bitterness <clears throat> and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, Verse 32, he's telling us how to be. Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, there was nothing what we saw last night in us and about us. That would attract a holy God to us. Therefore we are saved by grace. Amen. God saving us. Initiating the whole process. Coming to us when we were unlovely and ungodly. Down doomed sinners. Deserving eternal separation from the holiness of God. That's what we deserve at our best. So there's nothing within man to, to merit God's favor. So God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven me. That, that alone. God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And for no other reason. And so we need to keep that in mind. God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. And so we see what I want to go to tonight. That it was God, amen that blotted out the handwriting, the ordinances that was against us. He saved us. And everything that was against us, He removed it and He took it out of the way. It tells us that in the book of Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your faith, flesh hath He quickened together with Him having forgiven you all trespasses. 
blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, He took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. Praise God that He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we read in Hebrews in closing last night that our sins He remembers no more. Forgiven. Forgiven. So God's for Christ's sake. Amen. It was His blood that He shed to redeem us. It's His blood that He shed that reconciles us. And the Spirit that He is sent, amen, that regenerates us. Brings us into the very revelation of salvation and who He is. Now keep that in mind as we I want to go now to 1 Chronicles chapter 27. That's just the foundation. We'll get going in the message now. In 1 Chronicles 27, you'll find, I'm not going to read all this for the sake of time, but verses 16 to 22, you're going to find a list of names. And there is particular men that are named, that are the, the head over each of the one of the twelve tribes of Israel. These would be like in our culture today as governors of the state. They're, they're the ruler over their tribe. These are men of renown. These are wise men. These are great men. Trusted men. And so therefore, they are the rulers over their tribe. Now verse 25 to 31, it gives a list of some more names. And these men are men of renown. These men are very trusted men. And these men are the treasurer, treasurers of the kings and the kingdom. These men are over the king's fields. They're over his flocks. And they're over his finances. Amen. So they're trusted with the king's treasury. And then you come to verse 32. And I want to read. Also Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, a wise man, and a scribe. Notice that word a. That means he is one of several others. He's like one of a committee. He is one of, of others, amen, in the group. And they are, they are uh, uh, scribes. They are counselors. They are wise men. Men of renown. Great men. But they are one of a group, amen, of several. And so these men were trained in parliamentarianship. These men knew the Mosaic law. These men knew, amen, how to execute the law. And, and so they knew moral law and civil law and, and, and uh, God's law. And, and they were like what in our culture the Supreme Court panel of judges. Great men. But notice verse 33. And Ahithophel was the king's counselor. Now that's a definite article. The king's counselor. He's not one of many others. He's not one on a committee of committees. He is the king's counselor. I mean, if, if there's problems in one of the twelve tribes and they bring it to the ruler of that tribe and they can't settle the issue, they bring it to Ahithophel and he passes judgment. If he can't pass judgment, then Ahithophel will take it personally to the king. 
If if they're going to buy or sell or trade some flocks or fields with the king's finances, they got to take it to a hitherful. They discuss it, and brother, there's a hitherful that takes it to the king. Even in verse 34, it says, Joab, the king's general, is after Ahithophel. I mean, brother, if they're going to discuss going into war and plans of war and strategies of war, brother Joab's got to bring it to Ahithophel and Ahithophel takes it to the king. And when the king makes a decision, it reverses, goes back to a hitherful, and it trickles down to those renowned men, those great men that are in positions of power. So a hitherful would be like in our culture, the vice president. And so here is a great man. A man that is second in power only to David the king. David the king. And so this man is so great, he's trusted with the members of the kingdom, the money of the kingdom, and the military of the kingdom. But he had a grief. He was a great man, but he had a grief. And we saw last night that David was a great man, a man after God's own heart. But we saw that David... We saw the king's pleasure. He went up on the rooftop. He saw Bathsheba. He looked upon her. He lusted after her. And he laid with her and committed adultery. Then we saw the king's plan. How he planned to cover up his sin. But it didn't work. We saw the king's plot. Amen. As he had Uriah, her husband, murdered and killed. And We saw the king's prophet that came with a word from God. Brother, it stabbed him in the heart with Holy Ghost conviction. Guilty before God. We saw the king's plea as he cried out repentance toward God. And that's why David's called a man after God's own heart. Because God said, He will fulfill all my will. And brother, it's God's will for us to repent. And brother, he saw in Psalms 51 his, his wickedness before God and how vile and hideous his sin was in the presence of a holy God and he cried out God against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight and God forgave him and we like that part God forgave him but we're talking about Ahithophel what is it that caused this great man to have a grief. Let me go back to that story we preached last night. And notice in 2 Samuel 11 verse 3, and it says, Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam. Bathsheba is the daughter of Elam. And in 2 Samuel 23, 34, it says, Elam is the son of Ahithophel. Uh oh. So what we have here is Bathsheba is the granddaughter of Ahithophel. And you know that nobody but nobody messes with your grandbabies, amen. I mean, here Ahithophel has sacrificed to serve the king and given his life 
faithfully to the king, a man of character, a man of commitment, a man of convictions, amen, that's done everything to serve the king and his kingdom faithfully, amen, and the king pays him back by stabbing him in the back. I mean, by law, he could have legally had Bathsheba stoned to death. How can he do such a thing to put my family in this position? This humiliation. Everybody knows what took place. Things just ain't adding up. Remember Joab is after Ahithophel. So Ahithophel goes to Joab and says, Now Joab, how my grandson-in-law was killed, something just ain't adding up here. My son-in-law was a man of valor. He is a man of war. He is skilled in warfare. And listen, how he was killed, something just ain't, ain't adding up here. What happened? Why did y'all even attack Rabbahim? They besieged that city. And he said, we know in a month or two it would have fallen from within, amen, they'd have run out of food and substance and they'd have just given up without us firing a shot. Y'all were commanded just to take position, besiege the city, not to attack, but y'all attacked. Where did you get the orders to attack? Watch it now. And Joab said, listen, I've got orders from the king. And the king told me to attack. The king told me in the heat of battle to draw back and allow your wife to be killed. I don't question the king. I just take orders from the king. And man, that infuriates the head. The king purposely went around. His power, his position, and his authority. Have you ever been done wrong by somebody? Mm-hmm. Hello? Something to get down where we live. Man, you, you do good to somebody. Man, you, you, you love them, you serve them. Your friends, or your family, you sacrifice for them. And they just turn around and stab you in the back. Just turn around and abuse you. Do you wrong? Maybe even even not intentionally, but but circumstantially, amen, because they want to sin or what they're involved in, amen, but yet they, they just purposely avoid you or manipulate you. Or maybe they go around and spread lies on you. Now, folks, I don't know somebody that was asking me back here, amen, Miss Brenda, while I go back to... Facebook and all that. I know nothing about all that stuff. Amen. I am computer technology illiterate. And that works to my advantage too. Amen. I ain't got no friends on Facebook or Outer Book. or this. The only friend I got is this blessed book. Amen. But I hear time all the time people get on Facebook and they say, man, they're spreading lies about me and they said this and that gossip and they're speaking malice and envy and hatred and jealousy. Then you get on there and start retaliating. Just start throwing gas on the fire. Then they come back and you go back. 
So there's times in all of our lives, amen, we're done wrong by friends, our families, our foes. We're sinned against. And we grieve over it. And so Ahithophel was a great man and, and he had a grief, amen. How David has treated his granddaughter. What he has done to his family. He just can't let it go. So we see Ahithophel's grief turns to a grudge. David claims God's forgiven him. And we know scripturally and biblically God has forgiven him. But Ahithophel says, I won't forgive him. I will not forgive him. Isn't it something how when we sin against God, we want God's forgiveness? But when others sin against us, we say, God, lower the boom on them. Huh? Is that the right spirit? God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. For no other reason. And so, the Bible says in 2 Samuel 15 and 12, Absalom, remember, he leads a rebellion to overthrow his father. And so Absalom sins for Ahithophel. You know why? Because, brethren, when you have a grudge against somebody, you seek out other people's got their grudge against the same person, and you want to buddy up with them. Amen? And so Absalom sins for Ahithophel because he knows Ahithophel has a personal vendetta against the king. He hates him. He has vowed not to get right, but to get even. I'll get him if it's the last thing that I do. The Bible says in Luke 23 and 12, Pilate and Herod made friends for a day to crucify Jesus. Brother, they were mortal enemies. They hated each other. I mean, brother, they was, they was opposite politically. They was opposite ethnically. They was opposite religiously. They were opposite each and every way. Amen. But listen, brother, they made friends for a day to crucify Jesus. Get rid of this troublemaker. And brother, there's people when you are on the outs with, amen, you will seek out people. You may not like them. You may not agree with everything they do, but you, brother, you will buddy up with them if they hate the same person you hate. Just to pour out some hatred, some malice, some envy. So this man that was so trusted by the king, he is now troubled to the king. And we see his grudge. It says in 2 Samuel 16, 23, when Ahithophel spoke, he spoke as if it were the articles of God that people would listen to him. Why? Because of his position, his power, his prestige. Amen. And so therefore, he began to manipulate the people and use his position and power. Amen. To tell the people, it's God's will for us to rebel against King David. We must lead a coup and we must overthrow him. Absalom will be our king. So he leads a rebellion. The 
Bible says in Romans 8 and 7, The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. Now I know the carnal man, I believe he's speaking about a lost person. He don't know the Word of God. He don't know the spiritual things of God. The spiritual things of God are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Remember, we we got to be quickened by the Spirit of God to know God. But, we do know this kind of thinking still gets into us. When hatred comes in, when revenge, amen, when we, when we just, man, hate somebody because of what they have done to us. And we bear a grudge against them, amen. Listen, that, that's carnal thinking. This is grieving the Spirit. We're not walking in the Spirit with this kind of thinking. And brother, this is, this, this is the mind that grieves the Spirit of God working and moving in our life. And this word enmity means hatred and ill will. And brother, when we bear this kind of thinking, our hatred and ill will is toward God and not the people that's done us wrong. It's enmity against God. And this kind of thinking, brother, I mean, it's not subject to the Word of God, surrendered to the Spirit of God. And brother, it is not uh, living in fellowship with God. But brother, we're out on our own. Going back to that carnal mind. And we're talking about forgiving. Listen what the Bible says in Matthew 5. In verse 43. You have heard, this is Jesus talking, that it's been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But we like that, amen. But I say to you, love your enemies... Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. Now how are we supposed to pray? Lord, lower the boom on them. Lord, get them. No. Listen how he tells us how to pray. Matthew 6 verse 9. After this manner therefore pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil, from that evil carnal mind that wants to go back and fulfill the lust of the flesh of hatred and malice and envy and strife and jealousy. And the Bible said with that comes every evil work. So deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Notice the prayer is over. Amen. Period. But watch the next verse. The whole prayer hinges on the next two verses. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
Now we said the work of God is hindered because of forgiveness. One, we don't understand God's forgiveness for us and we live under that condemnation of blame and shame and guilt. So therefore we, we have rendered ourselves useless because we don't see ourselves as God sees us as washed and sanctified and justified. But also, folks, the work of God and the, the kingdom work is hindered because simply we won't forgive one another. And by that very simple act of unforgiveness, we are grieving the Holy Ghost of God from His work in our life and the lives of others. And it's hindering our fellowship with God. Watch this. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, that puts me in a different position, doesn't it? I want God to forgive me. It means I'm going to have to forgive you. Amen. I'm going to have to. Listen to what it says over here in the book of Luke 6. Judge not, verse 37, Judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Notice that's a semicolon now. In other words, what I'm fixing to say is directly connected to this forgiveness. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you measured, it shall be measured to you again. Now we quote that when we take up the offering. He ain't even talking about money. Money ain't the context. He's talking of forgiveness. So as I forgive others, God will forgive me and others will forgive me. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, men will give into your bosom. Forgiveness. I mean, we'll get forgiveness from God. We'll get forgiveness of others as we give forgiveness. First John three, and it says, it says in verse fourteen and fifteen, whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. How can you love God who you ain't seen if you don't love your brother who you have seen? Hmm. He says in Colossians three. Listen to what he says, verse 13. Let me, let me back up verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, and if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do you also. You say, Brother Scotty, they don't deserve it. Hello. Neither did you. 
Remember, there was nothing good about us that merited God's favor toward us and His grace toward us. I mean, we were damned, doomed sinners headed for hell, deserving every minute of it, amen, of all of eternity. But God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. And when you say, Brother Scotty, you just don't know how deeply and how wounded I am and how they have hurt me. It is not in me to forgive. You better watch a statement like that. Because if you're saying it's not in me to forgive, then maybe the Holy Ghost of God ain't in you. And if the Holy Spirit of God ain't in you, you're none of His. That's what the Bible says. And the Spirit of God is the Spirit of love. And God loved us when we were unlovely and ungodly. You know what that means? It is in me. I may not want to. I may not desire to. But it is in me. To love those that have hurt me and backbited me and stabbed me in the back and harmed me and gossip on me and hate me. It is in me. Within me. To forgive them because it ain't me. It's Christ in me. The hope of glory. Walk in the Spirit. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh because the lust of your flesh wants to get them back. Make them pay. If it's the last thing. Here unto where you call, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example. We should follow his steps. Says that in Peter 2.21. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. I mean, brother, when they cursed him, he didn't cuss them back. When somebody cusses you, bless God, you'll get on both feet and cuss them back. Amen. Brother, when they stretched his arms out and nailed him to that cross, amen. He didn't look at him and say, I'll get you if that's the last thing I ever do. But on that cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Listen, church, I'm finna quit. Those out there that sinning, against us they don't know what to do and if we are children of God God for Christ's sake hath forgiven them and he said as Christ has forgiven you so do you also this great man that had a grief that turned to a grudge now, folks, we got a right to hurt, okay? We have a right to hurt. The Bible says, uh, be angry and sin not. We can be angry, but just don't sin. Sin is when we want revenge. Sin is when we bear the grudge to the point where it grieves the Spirit of God and our fellowship with God. When I just come to church and fold my arms and sit back and bless me if you can, attitude. But in 2 Samuel 17, Ahithophel goes to Absalom. You said, give me some men and I will hunt David down and I'll kill him myself. I'll kill him. And it says, when Ahithophel saw his counsel was not heeded, he went out and hung himself. This great man 
that had a grief. It become a grudge. And it took him to his grave. What a sad life. What a sad life. But some of us are going down that same road because of somebody that has hurt us in the past and we just won't let it go. And I can tell you story after story in my ministry. I've got multitudes of stories of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness of family members. Unforgiveness of friends. And unforgiveness of foes. Brother, any one of them, it breaks our fellowship with God. And you know what unforgiveness will do to you? It can make your blood pressure go up. Because you have a stroke. Married, I mean, you all the time like a pressure cooker under pressure. Cause you to have diabetes, heart problems, physical conditions. When it's just so easier, just say, Lord, I'm going to forgive. Now, we don't have the ability to forgive. We'll probably get more into this tomorrow night. We don't have the ability. But we can get to our place in our fellowship with God. Say, God, your grace is sufficient. Your strength is made perfect in my weakness. And Lord, in this area, I am weak to forgive those. Lord, you know what they've done to me, my family. Lord, don't let it ruin my fellowship with you. If this is standing between me and you, Lord, I won't let it go. I won't put it on the blood. And Lord, I, I, I'm just going to forgive you. But Lord, I need your help to help. God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. And folks, we need to forgive them. As Christ forgave you, do also to them. Father, tonight, Lord, help us not to harbor unforgiveness against those that have lied upon us, used us, abused us, manipulated us. Lord, we know it infuriates us, Lord. It harms us. It can cause deep wounds and emotional scars. But Lord, you're the lily in the valley. You're the rose of Sharon. You're our good shepherd. Lord, you make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside the still waters. That you may restore our souls even right here tonight. Maybe in this congregation some of us is harboring unforgiveness. How we've been treated by others in church. And Lord, maybe tonight we just need to simply say I forgive you. Because it's hindering my fellowship with God. I forgive. Help us now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. As we stand to sing tonight.